You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, uh, this evening, you know, the Lord has had, he's had two words on my mind uh, for the specific service. Uh, not this specific service, it's a word of service. And the word for this one is change. Um, you know, it, it's, very, it's very normal, it's very natural for when a, a new person takes over in anything. Um, there's, there's change that comes with it. And oftentimes, unfortunately, it's just change for change's sake. It's just, I'm going to establish my thing and we're going to get rid of everything else. Um, I've seen that done very poorly many times. But in the uniqueness of what the Lord is building here, there's change because we're in step with the Spirit, and so things are just continuing to move forward because Randy's still here. Randy's actively right now ministering on behalf of this church in Lubbock right now. And so things are changing. Things are moving forward, though. And How are they moving forward? What does the church look like now? Coming out of what we've come out of, being in what we're in right now, what does does the church look like now? So that's really the the question I want us to look at this evening. And we'll be in Acts 2, 42 through 47. I I gave fair warning when I started here as head pastor that you would hear this passage taught often. And I'm holding true to that. Um, this is one of the most wonderful passages for the church today to know well, because there's just so much in this. Acts 42 through 47, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and, so, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common." And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. So there are aspects of this that are true for the church always. They should always be present when you're looking at the body of Christ. They should always be present. There, But there's also things that are very specific to this specific church in this specific time, this, this gathering of people. The things that we see all the time, that we should see all the time as far as the church and the body of Christ is they were devoted to teaching. They were devoted to the word of God. The apostles' teachings, all the apostles' teachings were they were hearing from the Holy Spirit and they were writing it down. So they're talking about the accounts of Jesus, the the physical encounters with Jesus and and the message that Jesus would deposit to these people. And they were devoted to Jesus' spoken word. They were devoted to the word of God and what he had. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to one another. They made it a priority to break bread with one another. I I think that's significant. That's why I've loved as a church when we've had our our Sundays where afterwards we eat together. Those are crucial times, huge times, because it's when we engage in that very basic, very common fellowship 
that the Lord unites spirits and stories are shared and we get to give testimony of what the Lord is doing in our life. We get to see the similarities of struggles and circumstances that we're going through. But it's that time of fellowship that solidifies and lays a foundation for what the Lord wants to build upon, what he wants to do next. And they were devoted to prayer. These are things that we should see in the church all the time. These are things that we should see within our own selves, devoted to teaching, to fellowship, devoted to being together with one another, and devoted to prayer, constantly being before God in conversation, back and forth with the Lord. That's all prayer is. It's, it's this lifestyle of dialogue before the Father, allowing Him to speak, and me speaking in communication with Him, or being with the Spirit and and the Son of God before the throne of God interceding on the things around us that are taking place. But having unity in spirit. And that's what happens when we devote ourselves to prayer. We align ourselves with the heart of God. And what we also see, and this is something we talked about Sunday. But what we also see in this passage is that there was kindness. There was, there was an abundance of kindness. And it says that, it says that they were, they had that many, all had come upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. There was kindness with one another. It doesn't even talk about the kindness to the community yet, before signs and wonders were being done, before the miraculous nature of God was being put on display. It just says that they were in relationship with one another. Those that believed had all things in common, and they were in unity with one another. There was kindness between each other. They were devoted to each other. They loved each other. They were devoted to the body of Christ. And because of that, then you see this awe and wonder, this miraculous nature of God be quickly put on display. And that's, we're not even to the community yet. We're not even to how, to, to the part of this passage where the Lord puts himself on display for the community. Okay, so that's just within the church. And there's also... In this, we see this kindness. We see this, this uh, devotion to one another. We see the things that the church should have all the time. There's a very specific structure that this church had at this time that was for this church at this time. In verse 45, we see, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so... This is not always the structure of the church. But what is within that that is always the structure of the church is they lived like this. They lived with an open hand. As Randy has taught us, they lived with an open valve so that anything that was being poured in could be immediately poured out where the Lord desired it to go. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all supposed to always sell our proceeds. Anything that we get, we're supposed to immediately give away. That's not what that means. But we're to live like this, that we know that everything I'm given is not my own. It was paid for. It was bought. Because everything that I'm given in my life is his because he owns my life. And so we live with this open hand, ready to give, ready to do, as he would instruct, knowing that each breath I take has been bought. And it's his, and he gives it to me. But it is his life. And Randy was talking about this in Sunday school. It's, I'm dead. It's he who lives. And when we fully understand that, then we can fully live like this. But you see a community of people fully living like this and how the Lord at that time was instructing them to live open was physically get rid of everything you've got. And when you get rid of it, take all that money and give it to the people that need it the most. 
Now, these are people that have just gotten rid of everything, and they're giving, it to pe- they're giving the money now to people who have nothing. And that's, there's, there's a lot there that you could look at, because that's, that's kind of odd. It's almost like they're switching places. Um, but you, you see this very specific structure and how this church was called to live. So the natural question for us, what is he building now? What are we to look like now? How is he structuring the church during this time? But before that can be answered, this, these two questions must be answered. Are we living with an open hand? And if God says to move, will we move? We can't live by the Spirit and be in step with the Spirit as Galatians 5.25 tells us to. We can't be in step with the Spirit if we're unwilling to step where the Spirit is stepping. There is a choice in each step that you take. And if He's going a direction that you don't like, then you're no longer living in step with the Spirit if you're not willing to step where the Spirit is stepping. That seems very natural. But anyways, change seems the natural part of this transition. And often things change for the change's sake and for no real reason, but we live in such this, this such a wonderful and unique place that being in step with the Spirit, we're always moving forward, but we're always moving into new things. And that includes the structure of church. That was something very clearly that Randy and I had discussed. I could tell you where he was sitting and where I was sitting. Because we were during this time where we couldn't be together and we were recording the message and we were staying, I mean, we were much farther apart than six feet, but we were staying apart and having this conversation of how we quickly recognized that the Lord was completely and totally destroying the idol of the routine of church. Because our time with God and our time with one another had just simply become a routine that was normal with our culture. And what that did was that locked God into a structure of a Sunday and a Wednesday. Now that doesn't mean that God didn't move here on those times. But what if that meant that we're no longer supposed to meet on a Sunday in, in here? What if the Lord said, no, I want you to close your doors on Sunday morning and I want you to be out in the streets working? Okay? What if, what if this time was, is supposed to be, no, you guys need to get organized and you need to go out and you need to take care of these uh, grandparents that are taking care of 15 of their grandkids. You need, you need to go minister to those families. But these single parents or... Um, these parents that are low, you need, to, you need to be in these places. What about this lady that needs a roof? No, Wednesday, you need to do that. Because he said that how the miraculous nature of God will flow freely and be established in our community is through the kindness of God. We see that in the Bible over and over. We talked about this on Sunday where there was first the kindness of God, then came the miraculous of God. Where there was kindness and compassion in Jesus, then we see the miracle always motivated and moved by compassion. And we saw in Scripture that there's no need to ask for permission for kindness to go into a situation. If you see an avenue where kindness can exist, where kindness can be inserted, that would be the kindness of the Father's heart into a situation, then you by all means have the authority and you have the requirement of being kindness in those places. And so knowing that and knowing that the the Next great move of God is, that is currently taking place is sustained by that pillar of his children operating within his kindness 
understanding that that's what we've been anointed to do, what does our routine look like? There's not one. You know, and that's the odd thing as I'm, I'm thinking about what the Lord is doing. If I'm in step with the Spirit, then I'm always moving forward. And if we're made for an ever-increasing glory, then we're always going higher. But we're always in a new place. So what does that look like in the natural? What is that physical new place? What, what does it look like? And that doesn't mean that it looks any different. Recognize that that's not what I'm saying, that, hey, we're stopping all services until the Lord says that you're supposed to do this. That's not what we're doing, but we want the Lord to have the opportunity and the platform to move how he needs us to move. Because we don't need to totally make sense to the community that we're in. We don't need to look like what's normal anymore. We need to be kind of odd. It says that. And if you look down, uh, continuing in, uh, in uh, Acts 3, that next miracle that Peter um, is a part of, you, you read and they are terrified. The community is terrified of these Christians. They would not dare join them, it says. Terrified. But they love them. Because it just says that they had favor with all the people and the Lord added their number day by day, those that were being saved. But at the same time, you have this group of people that are like, these people are crazy. I love them. Like they, I've got a lot of money from them. They just gave me a bunch of money. They're great. But I also saw them make this dude's arms grow back. So I'm kind of, or you, you remember Phil, the cripple that was always there? Yeah, he's not crippled anymore. Yeah. So they're freaked out, but they love these people at the same time. They love what they're doing. They don't want them to leave, but at the same time, they don't understand them. And what we can't understand is terrifying. And so they're seeing this, but that, that's a great reflection of what this community needs, how they need to look at us. We love what, the, what is happening because things are just happening through this body, but we don't understand it, and that freaks us out. That's, yeah. That's true. But that's every Sunday. And for them to not understand us, they got to come in, don't they? Because we make sense out there. We don't make sense in here. We make sense out there. No more. There needs to be kindness where there shouldn't be kindness. Where they would say there shouldn't be kindness. That person has wronged you I don't know how many times. Why are you being kind to them? Because I don't own my time here. It's not my life, it's his. And his kindness is going here. Anyway, so that's kind of, that's what we're talking about tonight. And that's, we kind of got off on a tangent a little bit. But we cannot any longer, we cannot any longer worship the routine we cannot fall back into the routine again just because we have the opportunity to meet together again. We can't just simply fall back into what we've known because it has to be in step with the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that Sunday mornings are no longer. That doesn't mean that Wednesday nights are no longer. But what if they look different? And in step with the Spirit in this new place that we're being led, what if they look different every single week? Because that's what the Lord needs it to look like that week. 
for the kingdom to be established in the fullness of his heart and the way he desires it to exist in that place. Change is a natural aspect of transition. Change is a natural aspect of season. And we know that. We've entered into something new. Change is a natural part of that. But before we can operate fully in the change that the Lord would have for us, we have to first find ourselves here, open and willing for whatever the Lord would do, whatever the Lord would change, whatever the Lord would bring, because it has to be the Lord that would build it. And, you know, before, it's also important to know where we've come from. You know, before, when we were in emergency room for the last 12 years, you got to think, we had a pastor who was anointed to be a surgeon. The Lord had called him to be a surgeon because the words that the Lord would give Randy to bring were these adjusting words. I, I don't know, how many times did you hear something taught that you've heard your entire life taught and then you heard it taught for the first time? You're like, oh man, I've, it's been wrong my entire life until right now. That was n- pretty much Every time Randy was speaking, the Lord was giving an adjusting word or new knowledge that we hadn't even discovered before, a building block for what was new, a surgeon that was coming through with these tools and this fine-tuned stuff, adjusting and correcting and fixing what needed to be adjusted and corrected and fixed. And now we're still this emergency room, and we've still got this surgeon. But what has the Lord expanded upon that? He said, now you're not just waiting for them to come in. You're going after them. You're an ambulance service now. When you see need, you run to it, screaming and blaring like sirens on a truck. You go at it with everything you, you have, unhindered by anything and not stopping for anything till you get to where the need is. That's a natural part of this change. So we know that the Lord is doing something new. So what does that look like in terms of our services? In terms of our times together? If that, is, if that word has been spoken with such significance and, and been shown to us in so many different ways on so many different levels over the last several months, the way the Lord has been teaching us and equipping us and preparing us, does this time together look different? And Now, I'm asking that because that's a question that I've got before the Lord as well. But I believe that's an adjustment that he's making in all of us. I believe that that's a question that he has for all of us of, can I build it completely and totally? Because as he said, and what he's doing is that we will be a body united, that if we were gone tomorrow, that our community would say that was a body united in spirit. That that would be our testimony. So what does that look like on a Sunday or a Wednesday? What do those times look like? And this is something else that he's shown us and that we've talked about. And this is something that gets me very, very excited. Is what about God do we not know yet? Because we've yet to encounter it. And how would just simply saying, it's your time, do whatever you want with it. As an entirety, as a, as a body of people, as a singular house of people coming together saying, do whatever you want to with this time. It looks like whatever you want it to look like. What did we find out about our Savior then? 
What do we find out about this heavenly creator who has made us and appointed us and anointed us for such a time as this? What do we discover when we enter into something that it's not because we're entering into it because it's a routine, but we're entering into it because the Spirit has been leading us into it and He has complete and total room to build the structure around it. What does that look like? And so these are things that are exciting me, but go ahead and go to Romans 12. And these are, these are conversations that I'm regularly having with the Lord about what that would look like. Again, not, not change for change's sake but freedom for the Spirit of God to lead us where He needs to lead us. That we would in every aspect be in step with the Spirit of God. I'm going to read all of Romans 12 because I just, it, the Lord just highlighted it this, this afternoon, the significance of this passage over our time and over what He's calling us into and what He's speaking to us right now. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. We don't need to make sense out of the world. We don't need to look like them. We need to look like heaven here on earth. And we've talked about that. But allowing the Lord complete and total freedom to to build heaven here on earth through us in whatever way he desires. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortion, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I just love that passage because of the unity that it's speaking to. The the fact that it's desiring us to grasp this fact that we are members one of another. But before it starts talking about all of that, 
In verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then it goes into the conversation of, of us being members of one another. So now imagine what church, the body of Christ, looks like united completely and all of us being our, having our minds molded by the Spirit of God and what that looks like. But there are things that we've done, just like with Randy would, when he would teach us. There were things that we ourselves believed and taught because that's what it was and that's what was taught. I've encountered this several times uh, in my coaching, the short coaching career that I had, but I encountered it. Why do we do this? It's the way we've always done it. And it is a horrible reason to do anything. Absolutely. If that's your justification for why you do it, that don't make sense. That's, there's got to be more to it than that. But in the coaching world, often that's all it is. Well, this is the way I did it growing up. Well, man, you were in high school in the 60s. I don't know if you know this, but some things have happened. We've gotten smarter. We've figured out new things. You know, it's, uh, we don't have to do that. It worked for you, but not really because you can't really walk very well. You're all beat up, but we think that's just the norm because it's the way it's always been done. That's a horrible reason for doing something. And now... I know this would ruffle some feathers, and that's why it's a Wednesday night message, because there's less feathers to ruffle. But why have we always done Sunday church? Why have we always done Wednesday night service? Why do we have a Sunday night service? Why do they look like the way they look like? Why don't we have music? Why don't we have praise and worship? Why do we have praise and worship on a Sunday? Why do we... Why do we only do offering on a Sunday morning? Why do we dress up nice on Sunday morning? We come in casual on Wednesday. There's a lot of silly questions in that. But it leads to the bigger thing of why do we do what we do? Is it because the Spirit of God has said and anointed you do it? Or is it just because it's always been done? And now that's challenging, a challenging thought, but... It also is an exciting thought of what does the Lord want to build if we just give him total and complete control to build it. The complete and total space to do and construct whatever he wants to do in this house. That it would look fully and completely. It would look the exact same as it looks in his heart. That we would be the exact, not kind of, but we would be the exact Reflection and manifestation of the Father's heart here on this earth. What, what can we do to allow Him that? We can live like this with every single aspect of our life. Every single one. Even the ones that we deem, they don't need to change. They're good. This is just the way it needs to be. Because it's the way it's always been. And so that's, that's where I've been with the Lord. Because I know, I can tell you completely and totally that I know He wants to do something different in two of our services, Sunday night and Wednesday night. I have no idea what they are. Isn't that fun? So I'm asking you the same question that I'm currently entertaining myself. I'm presenting that question to you as I'm also entertaining it before the Lord. Okay, what do you want to build? If you have to build it, and you want to build it, 
and you want every aspect of it to be yours and only yours, what are you doing? What are you building? Where are you building it? What do these things need to look like? If we're to be our community's place of hope, the one place they think of when they enter challenging circumstances or tough times, when they come to that place and they immediately think of our church, if we're to be that place, what do we need to look like? What does the Lord need to do to build us into that place of hope? What has to happen? And are we willing to give him total control over every aspect of what may need to change or evolve for that to happen? And it's some of it's simple stuff. We need to be more accessible. We've got people across the world. Insanely enough, we have people across the world that have been impacted by what the Lord is doing here and would love to be able to be a part of what the Lord is doing here. I can tell you three people right now in the state of Texas that consider this their church home, and the closest one is six and a half hours away. But this is their home because this is where the Spirit of the Lord is. And they go to another church, but the Spirit of the Lord isn't there yet. And they're hoping they can bring them in, but this is their home. This is where their heart is. This is where the Lord is establishing them. This is where they're sowing into. We need to be more accessible for those. And so those are simple things. But what else can we do that our community would be immediately impacted, that there would, there would be people out there that were in awe and were slightly terrified, but that we had favor with, and the Lord was adding day by day those that were being saved not those that were becoming Christians and were joining our congregation, but those that were being saved. Prodigal sons and daughters that were returning home. What do we need to look like for that to be the result? Because that is the result. If the Lord has been preparing us for revival and for harvest, and now we're back, and one thing comes next, harvest, revival. What do we need to look like so that we can readily catch all that will be revived, all that will be harvested. What can we do to be readily and, and immediately equipped to be this emergency service that goes out, not just waits, but goes out? We've got it set up here to bring them in, but we've also got it set up to where we're going out and we're grabbing them. We're immediately clothing them in truth and righteousness and authority and identity, and they're receiving it right there. You don't start receiving care when you get to the hospital. If an EMS picks you up, you start receiving care right then and there. The father didn't wait to bring his son back onto the porch to tell him who he was. He got to him and he immediately, in that kindness that opened the door, he immediately spoke truth over him. He immediately clothed him in righteousness. He immediately gave him authority. And we've talked about this. There's testimony of this where the Lord is moving with such urgency, just like in this, in this story, to where people are encountering the truth of God through the kindness of God, and they're receiving it immediately. It's no longer a couple months process of counseling and different conversations and all that. They're receiving it right then and there. Or the Lord is pulling them over when they're in their car by themselves because the Spirit of God is so heavy in their car they can't drive anymore. And He's telling them who they believe they were and who they actually are. Right there in the car. No, I'm not going to wait for you to meet with Randy. I'm going to tell you now. And then you're going to go to Randy and you're going to say, this is who the Lord says I am. And then you're going to go from there. But 
we're not doing this where it's going to take you a couple weeks to figure out who you are. I'm going to tell you right now because we've got things to do. It's the same with that father. I, I, I don't want you to earn back your time. I don't want you to earn back your position as my son. I don't want you to feel like you have to work at it or we need to take time for you to get back into that place where you feel like you're my son again. Right now, you are this, who you've always been. This is who you are. And so he's, the Lord is moving with such urgency. So we know that the, the, the crop is ready. It's ready to be harvested. What do we need to look like to harvest it in the way the Lord and God has intended? Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.